Hello and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. Come back every second Monday to hear new episodes and subscribe in iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher, wherever you like to get your podcasts, or add the show to an RSS reader. Um, That way you will automatically download the new episodes as soon as they get released. For more information, details, show notes, and links, you can visit soundofthemoment.com. If you would like to support me and this show, the best way to do that is twofold. First of all, you could go to wherever it is you like to listen to the show and leave a favorable review, rating, comment, whatever it is um, that does get the algorithms to work in the show's favor and hopefully um, makes it easier for other people to find the show when they look for it. And the other way you could help out is um, more analog by simply telling a friend. If you know anybody who would like to listen to these kinds of interviews and discussions, then uh, please do let them know. That's very helpful. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver, and you can follow the show on Facebook via the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook. This is episode number 14 for 23rd of April 2018. My guest on this show is the Dutch pianist, band leader, and promoter slash booking agent Robert van der Pat. His band Tyranny Flock have just released an eponymous EP, and here is the opening track from that record. It's called In Control.
That was music from Robert van der Pat, who is my guest today, pianist, band leader, um, all around, all kinds of stuff person, and we'll get into all the stuff that you get up to. Robert, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, well, yeah, I always ask my guests to start by introducing themselves a bit, if you can give people a general idea of who you are, where you're from, um, all that stuff. Um, I'll try. Uh, well, uh, I started as just playing piano and I did a conservatory for jazz piano in Utrecht with Pat van der Brink. That's mm-hmm. where I started off and uh, I really like doing my bachelor. I, I started my own band playing my own music uh, and that time it was with a singer. Um, and I really enjoyed doing the band leading and uh, booking the gigs and, and you know thinking about this, the strategy of this band and since then, um, like this band broke up about four years ago, mm-hmm. and since then I've been um, using this. Like I've been trying to get, to keep my network warm, so I started booking for uh, the band Even Sana, and from there it kind of just uh, yeah, it, it, it just grew into something that I didn't expect at first. But now uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm the, the the main booker of Bird Call Bookings, and yeah. I represent. Uh, apart from my own band, Terrani Vlog, I represent Ikerai from Amsterdam, uh, mm-hmm. and I work with Lucy Woodward from Ground Up Music, who you might know from Snarky, Pug- Snarky Puppy. Yeah. And um, and recently, I've been invited to also um, help out with Yuri Honing and his booking. So that's my suddenly like after being a piano player, I'm my main uh, yeah thing that I do this week is <laughs> just uh, thinking of of like where where can my bands. Uh, perform and and share the music. Yeah, cool. Um, we'll we'll get to that side of things because it's obviously very important and I I think a particularly interesting topic. But um, first, let's talk a bit about the um, your band Tyranny mm-hmm. Flock. Um, you guys just released an EP. You are just about to release an EP. Um, I think you just released it, right? Yeah. Um, and. Well, yeah. Do you want to tell me a bit about the band? It's quite an unusual mm-hmm. lineup, and and yes, exactly. Um, well, it's like I was already like years ago. I was thinking like, okay, so I have this 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 band with a singer, and but I always felt like it was always uh, sweet music and very theatrical and and soft, and I was feeling a need to. Um, take my compositions and present it in a different way. So I was really, like, already thinking four years ago, I was thinking of maybe making it like an orchestral thing using more, like, clarinet and strings, mm-hmm. or the other way, like, going more electric uh, and, and having uh, synthesized. But at that time, especially, I didn't know anything of, of how to use these instruments. And I, I think it started when I heard uh, Itai Weisman play on the AWI, because that just blew my mind and it was it was a very special project they were playing along with the silent movie Faust mm-hmm. uh, with Iran Revan on the guitar from I think I was there actually um, I seem to remember seeing that well, it, they did it, was, it, it was really like like four, four or five years ago I think yeah yeah, yeah. and it was it was really like the sound it just it stuck in my mind so um, since then I was kind of thinking like you know if I get the chance ever to play with him I will try to to include them into my project, and yeah. and I kind of think like uh, for many people, like I, um, it's not that there's only one way for me to present my music. I can think of probably three or four ways that I would really enjoy, and and, and I think that in those all these different ideas, I can really present my music in a way that I find them very creatively like like I want them to. But mm-hmm. of course, one of them might be might might, might give me some. Um, 
yeah, might make it more accessible or more interesting at first. So the fact that I had had this AV player that, that also for me it was just I didn't know what it was, and I really uh, loved working with uh, my friend Remy, who's a flute player from uh, Lithuania. Yeah, and he was also playing on alto flute and bass flute, and it mm-hmm. was also such like a similar situation. Like I I never saw this instrument, and it, they're both very close to the voice. There's so much just breath going into an instrument, and then. Yeah. Either in an acoustic way it's coming out or in an electric way. So to combine these two instruments, that was kind of the start of like, I think I want to try this and not just have one front leader, but really make it a band and uh, and see how I can arrange my compositions for for this new setting. And it's it's been since then, we've been working for over two years to really <laughs> to be uh ready, to feel ready for it, to release it. Yeah. I think it it might be important to um explain for those that aren't aware of it. Um the iwi that you refer mm, to is an yeah. electronic wind instrument. It's um, probably best described as an electric saxophone. Yeah, um, clarinet, saxophone, clarinet, whatever. Yeah. It's a woodwind instrument that um, uses breath control to trigger um, mm-hmm. synthesizers, basically. Um, yeah, so you, I've, I had. Um, Alison Phillips, a trumpet player on mm-hmm. on the show, and we talked about her EP um, at the time. And I asked her a similar question, which is why this, why the format of an EP? Um, it's mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it seems to me like it's more of a common thing in the pop world, maybe to um, to just release something that's got four tracks on it or whatever, and then. Um, Maybe less time between different releases, or uh, I don't know what what what's the idea behind that. Well, I mean, the first thing to actually release anything at all was already <laughs> felt like just so <laughs> distant for me, and it was um, because we've all also been changing it up a little bit in the band uh, until we had not just a, a group of musicians that work, but also like a group of people that worked as a team, and like. For me, uh, I find him very valuable, the bass player in the group, Hidder, because he's just a guy, he will text me in the middle of the night, like, about even a drummer that he just saw walk past, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, check him out or, or check this music out. And, and he just texts me, like, also, have you contacted this guy for the radio? Have you thought of this thing? Like, and yeah. mo- like, <laughs> most of the time, I can just reply, like, yes, I did, but thanks for mentioning. <laughs> but he was also the guy, he was like, he was the last one to join the band and he was the first one to say like why are we not recording this yeah because we are definitely ready so he was pushing me like this and um and then for me to to really just out of nowhere drop an album i don't feel like people are really i, I like to think like this the same as like you, you better give a concert and at a hall and it and it's completely sold out and you have five people standing outside to give this kind of feeling to it that that's you're giving Concert away, and people want more. Yeah, and the same like if I drop a single, then I want people to be like, okay, cool, like I'm gonna follow this band because I want to know what's what's more to come. Yeah, and then I want to drop the EP and give them enough to to know what it is, but then still have have enough interested in uh, enough interest for my band to show up for a live concert. Yeah, and in time I will release an album. But right now my uh, I'm, I also didn't feel like I had enough music. Like to to just focus on four tracks was already such an investment, and and I'm really happy with the results. I really think that it it's a it's become an, an, an yeah an just yeah very good uh, combination of all the different sounds that we've been exploring and just combining for completely different songs. 
And I'm I'm very eager to start working on an XCP because like I want to release an XCP within a year. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, and it's funny because I suppose that's it's a new model somehow. Like people are so used to all the old-fashioned tropes of you're supposed to make your album and then you're supposed to wait a while to make another album and you need an album, but at the same time nobody's buying the albums anyway. So I haven't even started on streaming. I mean, that's the like everything yeah. is now playlist. Like you don't even four tracks could be too much. Like. Yeah, people would release singles or like two songs at the same time and just get into playlists and just have this constant output, so your fans continue to be hooked. Mm-hmm. No, fair enough. Um, so one thing that's quite um, probably quite significant about the, the the EP is that you you asked uh, Darius Timmer to help mm-hmm. out with um, recording and producing it. Um, he's um, I guess he's more common in like. More common of a presence in the pop world. I mean, I've worked with him in the pop world before. Um, what? Why bring on a somebody who has obviously he he has a knowledge of improvised music and specifically fusion stuff and and a lot of these things. He grew up in the BIM house and and all that stuff, so he he yeah. understands the music. Yeah. But why? Um, yeah. What what's the story with with bringing Darius on? Well, uh, I mean, in all fairness, like when I. I asked him to produce my album. Uh, I had no idea what the result was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like I had some idea, of course, but it's the same goes for my band. That that I I knew him as a person, and I saw him work with Even Sonner Records, and I think he did an incredible job with that record. And it it gave me uh, some comfort to know that he knew how to work with with uh, Itai and his Awe. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but in general, like I. As a, as a person, as a human, human being, I felt like I could work with him and I needed someone to help me understand the potential of synthesizers. Yeah. So he seemed the perfect fit for that. Uh, so I was like, you know, we'll see where it goes and I trust him to know, yeah, to, to, to add something to it that is his and, and be an addition that we don't have in the band yet because like everybody in the band has this totally different background because like you say, pop uh, background, like, that I invited as a bass player. Mm-hmm. I, I went to see a concert of his before I asked him in the band. Like I, I've known him for like six years or so, but he left the jazz studies and he went to the pop world and he yeah. was playing uh, in a rock band. Mm-hmm. And then I invited him to come back to my band because I needed this kind of rock attitude. I, I felt like I needed that. And um, I asked the drummer Willem because I knew him from his jazz studies, but right now he's playing all over... Europe and and more with Jazz Rebel. Yeah. So I kind of like to. Like, I don't want a jazz pro- producer because I kind of have the idea that that I I kind of know a little bit about what I want to add mm-hmm. jazz wise, and I want someone that adds something new to the to the. Sound. But I suppose I mean you say you just use the word jazz producer, which is kind of hilarious to me because is that even <laughs> yeah. a thing? Like no, exactly. Since like, since like the days of Rudy Van Gelder, I suppose, and you know, and even then it was more like engineers than than producers, like. Uh, I, I suppose maybe Manfred Eicher is the closest we have to a jazz producer nowadays, like people that have got an aesthetic and a vision for their labels. But mm. um, why the choice to have a producer at all to begin with? Because, well, again, like I didn't feel like I was ready to to know exactly how the EP would sound like, so I needed help. Yeah. So even if it was just to help me figure out how a synthesizer worked, because I had one by yeah. then, but I was, yeah, I, I prefer to 
keep an overview. So I was starting with these effect pedals on my roads and and slowly building into uh, into a synthesizer. And I have this uh, Dave Smith uh, synthesizer now, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, he he knew already. Like like he 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 knows the sound, so he has a better idea. Like when he hears the song, like the 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 our starting take without any synths, any layers, just the, the basic track. He already knows like what we can add in sounds, and we, together we start looking and, and start adding it. So it was really a process after yeah. the, the basic tech track recordings. But so uh, um, it it seems to me like the that then becomes an integral part of the compositional process, right? Like mm. you go from um, being a piano player and a composer that presumably sits behind the piano and writes stuff and figures out melodies mm-hmm. and, and chords and, and, and structures and things to coming into the studio with a skeleton of a tune and then uh, putting exactly. it together. Yeah. Um, so do you, yeah, how, how did that differ for you? Like what, how, and maybe a similar topic is how does that translate back into a live performance then? Because if you've gone into the studio and produced something and, and overdubbed a bunch of things and stuff, like how, how are you managing to bring this to the stage now? Um, yeah, it, it's really been a, a very different way of practicing since then because I like yeah it's always been just me and the piano mm-hmm. and now to take the the studio recording and then looking at what I have with the synthesizer and it's yeah I was happy that I have a volume pedal and I <laughs> like I'm <laughs> I'm really trying to combine it and uh, yeah but but it's also because we really made it into a good sounding track it's not like I'm Trying my best to sound best as a piano player in the band. I'm just trying to support the composition and and add these extra elements and extra layers. Like there are some like a ballad, and all I do is like this. Like I'm just doubling one little thing in the melody on a synthesizer, but the fact that this extra sound is there, I just really love it. And yeah, I'm not looking to make it completely full of synthesizers, and and it's a. Uh, no, sure, but surely the. I guess what I'm interested in is how does the the act of like those different stages of mm. composition. How does that influence the way? Because like you, I guess you were performing again yesterday. Yeah. Like you, you've been playing a yeah. bunch of shows to support this EP release, and oh, it seems feel that for, to me it feels like I'm arranging the music. Like composition is, it's kind of it feels like the composition is just like the first step, and then. That's kind of like, like I said, when uh, I have this composition, I can uh, arrange it for like four different projects. And now mm-hmm. it feels like I'm just rearranging all the songs, even songs that we played before, now that we've been in the studio. And I've, I kind of know what I can do with this band now. I'm just rearranging all the songs. And and because the band, um, like it really started as my band, but not by now, because we've been in the studio, everybody keeps getting more and more involved. So I'm I'm feeling more... Uh, comfortable by just uh, asking the band members like, hey, like I really like or uh, what you did with the second voice, for example, Itai. Like I just send them a sheet, like just you know, blowing it at home, just try some stuff out and uh, bring it to the rehearsal, and then this way, like to get it's becoming more and more a group arrangement yeah. process instead of just me at the piano like it used to be. Yeah, okay. And so I take it that that also means. Um, that the music is evolving throughout, like across the tours, like you're, you're, like you say, the arranging mm. process is not 
is not finished, so to speak. Well, like I'm, I'm hoping that that will happen because like we haven't really played so much. But the fact that we did the studio recordings and after that we've been doing all the overdubs and the mixing, so I've been very much um, just just listening this music over and over. But we haven't played it in that time. And then like three months later, we did a rehearsal, and it was also uh, like I told the band, like you know, I don't want to see any sheet music anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that that's. That's over, and we just played it first take after three months, and it just felt like a new band. Like, yeah. it, like we we really we jumped a year or something. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's. Um, oh yeah, I'm hoping throughout the tour, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, it's a, it's a fairly more. common experience, I suppose. Like there is this somewhat um, cliched approach which is we do a tour and then when we're done with doing the tour we've got the music ready and we go into the studio and we record something but I've always felt like there was a lot of value in the opposite to that which is well we're going to go to the studio for a week and (laughs) figure out what Um, the music is and then after going like putting it under a magnifying glass that way you come out with something that you can then go and tour and and, and evolve on the road rather than exactly what you're saying like like I think it's more like the, the jazz approach, like from school, that you have to practice and you have to do uh, concerts and really dig into the music that you can really just breathe it and, and just dream every element and be so free and above the music that you can that you're ready to record it yeah. in a way. But um, then the problem is that then you finally make it into a product in a CD, and then people expect you to play it at the tour. But you know, like you're saying, like it, it's actually. Uh, as a booker, <laughs> you know, I w- yeah, I really like uh, to just go into the studio and and form a sound there and form music. Like there was one song I just like we we um, we wanted to record four songs for the EP, and I brought in a fifth song, like just in case we have time. But actually, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't finish it. Like <laughs> okay. I, there's no arrangement for it. Yeah. But because it was still so open, we we had a lot of fun with it, and uh, it was really because it was like at the end of the of like a full day of playing, and then it's more of like a groove song, and the the band was incredibly tight at that point, and we just played this very you know the basic track, and then later with me and Darius we had some fun with synthesizers, and mm. um, so that that track is already ready for like a release after summer, yeah, and. Yeah, I really love this process to just go into the studio and but you need to have enough time for it. Like we were now very strict on like we had like kind of two days only yeah. for five tracks as a first record to re- to record. Yeah, that's so, both more time than a lot of jazz musicians are used to having and mm. obviously a lot less because <laughs> yeah. um if you are going to be dealing with a fully produced thing then it you know, you need more time to digest stuff and things. Um yeah, I I kind of want to talk a bit about the aesthetics of it. Maybe that's a very vague um, topic, but um, I'm interested in what like, um, and I hate to ask people about their influences because that seems like mm-hmm. such a sort of baseline form of interview. But um, I I am interested in where some of the aesthetic choices come from because it seems to me like there's there's a very um, sort of fusionish thing to it. Definitely. There's some sort of late miles slash weather report um, jazz rock things in there. There's some kind of 80s stuff with choices of synth sounds. Like are those things that are um, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I suppose I, my question is how much of that was in your, um, yeah, how much of that was a source of inspiration to you before you even started doing this project? Because it's very different from, I remember seeing you play like six or seven years ago when you were playing kind of an acoustic you know, jazz yeah, thing. Yeah. And, and at that point in time, if you told me like six, seven years from now, this guy is going to be playing synths and he's going to be like, you know, Juno sounds and all that stuff, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like what was... Well, it kind of started with with um, that. I really love this this uh, history of European jazz that we have here because um, compared to the, the uh, American jazz, in in my opinion, it you can really hear our classical background. So the, the the music is more often it's it's based on melodies and more lyrical. I kind of like to always refer to like how Michael Jackson has Thriller, and then Queen has Bohemian Rhapsody. Which is both, you could call it pop music, but mm-hmm. of course, you know, it's undeniably it's the one is about groove and the other one is about the harmonic, the harmony and, and, and melody and like yeah. an opera influence. And so when I'm making jazz, because that was the thing, like I'm studying jazz at the conservatory, but it's not music from today and it's not music from here. Yeah. And that was always my problem with it. And when I was in New York, uh, I was staying there for a little over two months. And then it suddenly made sense to go to the to the cafe and play these standards. And and I was completely like uh, digging all these uh, Bill Evans records and transcribing his solos. And then back home, it was like you know still like it, but I felt disconnected. Yeah, I felt disconnected again. Yeah. And. So I was looking for, okay, so I need music that's from here. So I was digging more into the European music, uh, like Kenny Wheeler's music. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what, what else. I've been, <laughs> I'm chasing my uh, my playlist every few months. So, um, <laughs> and, and then combined with it, like, I need to, it needs to be music from today. So, yeah. and I don't know so much about synthesizer, but so let's just start with it because mm-hmm. I do think it, it's going to open, uh, yeah, just, just, Break open my repertoire of sounds or yeah. my vocabulary in that way, and so it hasn't really been a conscious choice. It's just more that I really like to think in a way of of not forming a band with sounds and influence. More like I need a, a team of people that bring something different to the table and you know dare to speak up and just be bold in it. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, now that you say that i guess the probably the initial thing is if you're going to have an iwi in your band then that immediately has a certain vibe mm. to it so um I mean, I and also i really love the bracket brothers <laughs> oh okay yeah well speaking of yeah that's that's also some of the early iwi yeah, experimentation was yeah. going on there um but, but i never imagined like i want to play like a new like it's just like there, there's been periods that I was just completely digging into the Brecker Brothers, and then I had uh, this combo at school playing only Pat Metini songs and EST, <laughs> and and then I was only playing uh, Kenny Wheeler and and listening to Norma Winston and uh, Enrico Pierannunzi and yeah. and uh, Wolfgang Mutspiel is amazing and this kind of music. So for me, it, it like this result, I really love it, and it feels like a very natural result. Yeah, but. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, so one other thing, um, I suppose regarding the aesthetics, but maybe regarding the approach, um, it, it strikes me that there's there's quite a bit of humor in the music. Um, is that something that's conscious? Like it seems like there are, it's both very light and at the same time there are at times things that literally feel like jokes to me. Um, 
Like you actually had fun. <laughs> yeah, you actually end a track with like the terrible orchestral stabs. Well, um, that was also Darius. Darius was like, okay, Robert, <laughs> like amazing that you're calling me for this this uh, recording, but one thing, I will always try and I will always succeed at putting orchestral hits in whenever <laughs> record I make. And I was like, you know, cool, let's do it. So he was kind of like shocked that I was just agreeing with him. Yeah. But there were a lot more in that track at first. Like we had all these intro uh, bass hits that were doubled with orchestral <laughs> hits and we just took them out. But yeah, there's this one, uh, yeah, you, re you are referring to the, the single spill time where we yeah. have this one lick. And I also kind of wrote it as a Bracker Brothers thing that I heard. Mm -hmm. uh, just like, just suddenly yeah. the 16 thing. And I based it on some kind of uh, Coltrane changes. Uh, and But the rest of the song is just very cheerful and major. And yeah, and yeah I mean, just, just to play the lick once just feels silly. So at, I wanted to end off with this lick again. And then Darius just said, like, you know, let's, let's maybe have Willem just like completely destroy his drum kit over this lick. It's like, cool, let's do it. You know, we can always <laughs> cut it out, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, you know, maybe Robert want to double the lick on the orchestra. It's like, sure, I can, if it makes you happy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to record it. <laughs> and then also he's like, yeah, but you know, like I can't take the drums out anymore, you know, because we recorded it and it's all over the other tracks, which is completely not true, but <laughs> yeah, it, it was, you know, I think like by, if, if you're ending, if, if you're ready, like stuck around for the whole song until that point, that just like, yeah, oh, here's here's a joke, and you're you're completely uh, like if you're a radio DJ, you know, just cut it off if you want. But <laughs> yeah, so far I haven't really heard complaints. So <laughs> no, I love it. I found it hilarious, and and it, now that you say that Darius is behind it, I I'm not at all surprised somehow. Uh -oh. His uh, his taste for uh, that kind of stuff has always been <laughs> quite well documented. I think. Um, so maybe. Um, before we actually move on to other stuff, and maybe this is a good bridging the gap kind of a moment um, to talk about your work as a booker and a promoter. Um, what has been your approach to like promoting and and like what has been your strategy to to like getting Tyranny Flock out there and spreading that message and booking gigs and stuff? I mean, you you arrived today with um, this very pretty. USB stick drive um, wooden <laughs> thing. Um, it's basically a like a wooden card that's uh, online. They they describe it as a wooden credit card USB. Yeah, so it's like a business card, but it's like like two three millimeters thick, yeah. and there's a USB in it. Yeah, and it has the EP on it, and I take it that this is how you've this chosen to. Yeah, yeah, because I mean to print it on a CD just felt like a very Expensive business cards. I was like, you know, maybe I should just make it into a an know, expensive business card, but then really make it a pretty <laughs> uh, business card. You yeah. know, and and I've seen uh, other musicians making these credit card USBs, but they yeah. were plastic, and they, you know, I didn't really like that. Yeah. And then suddenly I bumped into this, and and looking for in my band also for this combination of like I want this this warm natural acoustic flutes and bass flutes and mm -hmm. piano, and then combine it with some modern electronic thing. It just it just felt right. So. And now, no. uh, now I have three hundred of them. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the. Um, so yeah, maybe we should just go straight into the the, the whole booking thing. So you yeah. you literally have an agency now, like Bird Call Bookings, which it's just like 
uh, geef het beestje een naam. That's, that's how my parents always said. Just, <laughs> it's just like I wanted to, to look more professional. So I wasn't going to use my, my personal Gmail. I was just like, I'm just going to create a name for my HG. But, but yeah, um, I think I, I was listening to a, a, another podcast of uh, that was completely not music related, but like starting freelancers, entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily what the the guest uh, was saying about starting your own freelance business, more about the questions they were asking about. Like, how do you actually start doing things and how do you get into, you know, getting out there? That that just astonished me. Like, yeah, like I'm also kind of the kind of guy that that thinks of a band and and it takes four years to actually make an EP. (laughs) But then again, like at some point you just have to start doing it and just see what the response is. So that's what I did with my, my very first band. And then I felt like, I'm, I, and you, you just start relationships with people, just business relationships. And these, these relationships need to grow over two, three years before you can call them, you know, good contacts and, and yeah. you know, maybe even friends. Mm-hmm. And then you're finally at the point that you, you can just give them a call. So like, hey, I got this new thing and I, th- I think you personally are going to be excited about it. So just check it out. And And that's, because it's such a small world, this jazz world, and to see how quickly you can actually and how easily uh, you can just, uh, yeah, get in touch with everyone. Like you can just pick up the phone and call the the main uh, director of the jazz festival in Skopje, you know, and, and he just picks yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's what I find amazing. And and, and I've always really uh, uh, through like volunteer work, I've been always been active in team building and and working with people and. And actually, my family, uh, both my grandparents, uh, had their own companies. So mm-hmm. it's somehow in my whole the way I was raised. Yeah. It just feels like entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah, is, it's just uh, completely entrepreneurship. And and I really like doing this. So I just started call, uh, calling people and emailing yeah. them, and just never let go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. I mean, I think most jazz musicians of our generation are aware that there is. A necessity for that now. Mm-hmm. Um, not that previous generations didn't have that necessity, but um, I feel like it has certainly um, certainly grown in a in a sense because um, the channels are so much like more open to us. What with the internet, and indeed you can just like find the phone number for all these people. Um, but so what? Uh, at the same time, the. F- we are aware that we need to do it, and I still feel like everybody's terrible at it. Like I get the but sense. I mean, that it, it takes hundreds of hours, <laughs> and, yeah. and I am very much aware that that I've been very privileged in uh, my family's background, and my family's always supported me going into music, and and they've always uh, said like, if you really want to go for something, then you shouldn't be held back by having financial issues like having to work at a bar or uh, at a mm-hmm. restaurant so they just said like you know don't spend too much because I was also <laughs> raised very Dutch <laughs> yeah but they always made sure that I could spend my full time during my bachelor and master on creating music and and getting my name out there so mm-hmm. um yeah I just really uh felt like I got this this incredible uh, opportunity to yeah, give more to the whole jazz and, uh, community and, and uh, seeing all these bands that are musically so far but just struggle with 
getting the name out there and, and simply not having the time to do it. And and for me, at, at first, like I said, like I had a network and I wanted to keep these relationships. Like, like I had my first two years into all these these relationships mm-hmm. and I wanted to keep on going with it. So yeah. I offered uh, even Sonna, like, you know, I'll I'll call around for you and and I would really like to to connect my name to your name. Yeah, and just that's how it started. And before I knew it, we were like one or two years later, and and they had an incredible CD out, and they were playing at the Bim House in Tivoli Vredeburg, and yeah. and then suddenly, uh, like for me, it was like work that I had, I had done like half a year ago. But by yeah. the time that the tour is actually happening, everybody was like suddenly like uh, like you did that, like oh, in <laughs> in that case, I want to sit down and yeah. And then suddenly, like from only booking even Sanne, I jumped to booking also Bram Stadthouders with his uh, incredible organ project yeah. and Lucy Woodward from LA, yeah. who is actually touring right now. So, and that's been real fun. Mm-hmm. And especially recently, like working with Yuri Honing, that's like I can now call these, these guys like in Skopje. Yeah. And the moment I drop the name Yuri Honing, they're just super friendly. Like, of course, like we know him. And yeah. so that's, that's just an incredible chance for me to uh, create my network. In, in not just Holland and Belgium, but uh, like through, yeah, all over the world. And I guess that like by having certain names, like specifically the fact that you're now working with Yuri, that's a somewhat more high profile name. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that opens doors for you to then be able to push your own agenda, so to speak, which is both like your some smaller, less alone projects, and presumably your own projects. Yeah, definitely. Um, what? Um, Okay, I, I suspect that a lot of jazz musicians are actually listening to this, and I'm always interested in when when I speak to people like you who do have um, who have somewhat figured out what what um, I suppose have somewhat figured out what the channels are to get things to happen mm-hmm. for yourself. Like, what do you think it is that people are doing wrong with both promoting and? Um, um. Well, it's like the, the constant thing, like because if you're booking for your own band, it's it's very hard to have a clear view on what your music, like what the level is, or what you are exactly doing, because you're in the middle of it. So mm-hmm. you need to ask uh, friends that that you trust to be just honest <laughs> to to tell you, you know, what the deal is with your music, and um, and then the thing that I constantly struggle with because you're then by yourself and you're the only one and expect from your 20 emails that you will like maybe get one reply yeah um but yeah like just just keep on going because the moment that you do get this one positive reply it will just give you energy to to keep on going and i also like i really just need someone uh, every few days or week just to sit down and go over what i'm doing and just have them tell me that that you know this is good <laughs> and this yeah. is good and um, you know, don't you know? Don't be bothered by him like, not replying, and, and just yeah. keep on calling him. Like like the Bim House, the fact that we managed that. But <laughs> I think I s- it took me about three four months to get that gig mm-hmm. for even Sonne, uh, That I think it was like one and a half years ago by now. Um, I actually dropped by the the Bim House I think four or five times, so I I know <laughs> the receptionists <Yeah>. by now. <laughs> It was also around uh, Class. so uh, like by the time she like she was really like uh, handing my notes and my business cards to Hoop, yeah, and just telling him like he's been here again. And by like at some point, Hoop finally emailed me, and he just he just said like I don't 
set meetings like this. You can't just tell me I'm gonna show up tomorrow again, <laughs> because that's what I did. I just yeah. I just sent them an email like, hey Hoop, um, you weren't there. I'll be there again tomorrow at one. <laughs> you know, and, and then finally he replied. He said like, I don't do business like this. I'm like, well, apparently you do because that's the only way how you're replying to my emails. Yeah, which like I f- I felt like a <laughs> complete dick <laughs> doing that, but like um, I also like. Uh, learned by now that there are a lot of bookers that I just like the moment I, I they finally reply or I get them on the phone I just first of all I just say like I'm so sorry because I feel like an asshole doing this yeah. but they are very much aware that they are very hard to get a hold of and yeah. they don't blame you for it they just say like you know just keep on stalking me because yeah there are like the just the, the constant events of the yeah. day and like the, the amount of time they actually have to just scout new music that's just so just such a small aspect of their day, yeah. But they do want to. Well, yeah, and I mean, obviously, you're doing them a favor by coming and saying, "Hey, I've done the work. I've listened to this stuff. Yeah. This is the stuff that you should be paying attention to, right?" Yeah, um, like I really hope that that in time, um, promoters and, and bookers and festival, yeah, like that they will kind of think that oh, but if Robert suggests this, then. I better take it seriously. You know, that's of course yeah. what I'm aiming for at at, mm-hmm. uh, at some point. And I don't know. Um, the first few people have been showing me this uh, support. Like uh, recently, like I'm very close into the, the Maastricht uh, jazz community, and yeah. uh, uh, Peter Schoonderwood, uh, the director of Jazz Maastricht, is a good friend of mine. Um, who I like, we are friends because I stalked him for years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point he was just like, "Well, maybe you should come work here." So I now I work as a booking agent at the jazz uh, conservatory there. Yeah, and he just gave me a phone call recently, like, "Like Robert, I need some new inspiration. Give me some names of like new bands in their twenties that I should check out." Mm-hmm. And I gave him some names, uh, mainly from people here in Amsterdam. And then uh, he was like, "Yeah, cool. Uh, I'll." Uh, you know, he hang up, and then like five minutes later, I was like, I forgot to mention my own bands. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent him an SMS like, uh, like, uh, and of course uh, this band and yeah. this one. But he was like, Yeah, I know about your bands, but yeah. you know, I need yeah, like, yeah. so. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, uh, I try to be honest in 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 what I. Yeah, I'm not, I'm never gonna say like, Yeah, you're gonna love this, and then without that, uh, without when I don't actually believe this. Yeah. So. I mean, what you just said is quite interesting. Uh, do you do you feel like there's a risk of this? And also, I suppose, do you think it's a problem if that's the case? Like, do you think there's a risk of you missing out on like opportunities as a musician, um, so to speak? Do you feel like you're going to be investing a lot more time in that side of your business rather than mm-hmm. investing in the music? Is that something that you're concerned about? Is it something that you feel? Well, of course, I've been thinking about this a lot, but <laughs> basically, like during my studies, I was already so focused on my own band, mm-hmm. and I kind of blame that as a main reason for it. But I was never really this uh, sideman to bands. Like no, no one really asked me to join the band, and like of course, some bands did, but I was always focused on my own band. And yeah. um, now that I've been uh, yeah, that, that, that I finished, like I've been studying for seven years and I graduated almost two years ago. And I do feel like I'm very happy that I that I did do a, like a bachelor and master in jazz piano because mm-hmm. it really, it's like, 
I want to be active in the the cultural scene of Holland and Europe and the world. Yeah. And to to be able to judge its quality of a product or or, or of a person or what they're doing, I can kind of recognize good quality because I I did this one very specific thing called jazz piano, yeah. and I do feel that that I I did somewhat of a good job in that, and and I really still feel like. I can uh, do a lot more in that, but um, like the, the the more distance I'm getting from my my st- student life to my professional life, I do uh, see that that you know you're you're just a cultural entrepreneur, and my expertise is jazz piano, and I can recognize quality in jazz music, and all I want to do is just uh, get people in touch with music that I say that that you're missing out on this music that is just incredible and it, and it has an, an artistic value and it's not commercial because we mm-hmm. it's like you have commercial music and then you have art like artistic music and the commercial music it has just millions if not billions of euros behind it in marketing yeah. and there's no way we're going to compete with that no for sure and so that's that's what I want to do I would just want to put my like all of my my time and effort into promoting artistic music, and if it's my music, you know, so be it. Mm-hmm. Of course, like the the times I get a chance to be on on the stage myself and play my music, that that's you know, it will never grow old. I will always continue doing that. But yeah. but I'm fine with having a tour for like one or two months and then not playing gigs for five or six months. Yeah, because like very recently I did a first gig. Um, Kind of being like an assistant of a keynote speaker, and they asked us to be like an artistic keynote speaker. And mm-hmm. like, and I talked with my friend uh, who was like the main, like he he got the job, and we we went through the whole program, and it was going to be a super busy day. And at one point, I was like, so at where do you want me to play piano exactly? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I don't need you to play piano. <laughs> it's just like he values my my artistic view on on the event. Yeah. And and I think that's very important for um, like students as well. Like you, you, like take this up, take this this time that you have at the conservatory to really go deep and very specific, so you can reach like the highest level in this specific thing that you love. But also use that as a tool to be active as a cultural entrepreneur, as broad as that thing can be. Yeah, basically that there are very much transferable skills um, and mm. and universal skills that you acquire by diving into the specific, I suppose. Um, so is there, um, you, you say just just now that you have not never been much of a sideman, but is there any work as a sideman that you are up to and that you'd like to mention? Um, well, what I really like is that I've been always like trying to be the best jazz piano player as I could be, and now I'm doing this very fun uh, theater show uh, with old uh, colleagues from Utrecht, mm-hmm. um, and I actually get to sing backing vocals, and, and it's <laughs> and it's really fun. It's is um, alles naar mens is the the title of the show with Siebe yeah. uh, Palme, and we're doing like Delft Fringe Festival and and and. Yeah. And we did the Café Theater Festival in Utrecht a year ago. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, as a piano player, it's not very challenging maybe, but I just really love, uh, yeah, just the response of the audience and what we're doing. Like, because we, we it is an artistic thing and we, we are getting a message across and that's what I value. And, and recently I've been approached by uh, a singer and songwriter 
who's kind of into the indie classical scene. Okay. And she was like, yeah, because we're going to do a lot of synthesizer things and I'm just looking for someone that knows a little bit of improvisation and jazz piano. I was like, well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not, like with all these projects, I'm not in the jazz scene. Mm. But, and therefore, uh, I get this special flavor of being able to play jazz piano, you know? that's yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to get yourself into situations where your expertise is no longer like, yeah, you're just another one of these guys, but you are. It's like this, this, this uh, artistic keynote speaker. Like the fact that I would sit down on the piano and play something, everybody was just blown away. Yeah, that I could do that, you know. And, and, I'm like, and they were paying me a lot more for doing this guest notes thing yeah. than they ever did for playing piano. But yeah. Yeah, it's really fun to just get out of this this very small world of just jazz and and see what else there is and yeah, it's interesting. And I suppose that that's also the best way to actually grow the grow the audience for that small field mm. of jazz in the first place because that's such a problem that we have, which is you know we're performing for the same people in the same places at the same you know rate and and it's. Is that something that you're busy with, like specifically as a like as a promoter and a booker? Are you are you trying to figure out what, like, how to break out of those molds somehow? Mm, hard question. Well, the thing is, like, I do think that if I hear, uh, like, I always say that that my bands are always crossover bands, and I uh, know jazz, so I like it to be at at some point jazz related. Yeah. But um, I was also thinking about it, like, like if if you hear a band and it's a very much a clear thing, like a clear genre specific jazz or jazz fusion or rock or whatever, and it's you can really like put it in that box, then mm-hmm. I feel like so that box is already closed and that's been passed, and that's what I like about, uh, for example, indie classical because it's such a new genre and no one really knows what it is because it's 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 something that's really happening now and everybody that's part of this new movement of indie classical they're all like re- like defining what the genre could be yeah. so it's it's not a, a box that's completely closed yet in yeah. my feeling so yeah and it, i suppose for for an audience that's also um really valuable when you come to an audience and you tell them I can't really explain to you what it is that I'm... Which is really annoying as I'm <laughs> doing your bookings. Uh, of but course, it's very difficult, but at the same time, like, you will, if, as soon as you use the word jazz, you will lose a vast number yeah. of people, like, before they even heard a note. And I suppose being able to approach things from, a, from an outside perspective and being able to say, well, it's not something, you know, come and f- see what it is, because until you've seen it, you don't really know. No, because like, um, I saw a wonderful masterclass of uh, Christian Scott recently, and he also said like, he is very much making a very natural blend between hip-hop music and jazz, and I completely love his new records. And he called his music stretch music, but it also has to do because he was looking for a new way to release it, so he made an, an app for, uh, for your iPhone, and you can literally stretch the music. You mm-hmm. just get the track, but you can uh, you, you can just turn off the piano if you want to play piano with this band, and yeah. you can speed it up and slow it down. And mm-hmm. so th- he just like in the way that he's stretching the genre of jazz with this genre of hip hop. And I was looking for myself like because it doesn't feel like jazz fusion because it's it's. It, I do want it like, because jazz fusion feels like a box that's been locked, and yeah. and I don't want my music to be in 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 one box and unable to get out. 
And at some point, I was like, maybe I should just call it like millennial jazz or something. Mm-hmm. But I do know that a lot of people give, have a negative feeling with millennial. But then again, it is like the millennials. There is like a revival of jazz yeah. in, in this group. But so I don't like I at some promote. Like, I, I've sent some emails like to press, uh, like calling my music millennial jazz, and then I kind of backed off of it. But yeah, like I'm constantly looking for how to call it and I prefer to use and to just come up with something new just to to have people ask the question like what do you mean with it and then you you get a you know get yeah. a chance to explain yeah no that's that's very cool it seems like it's again something that's much more common in the pop world like every mm-hmm. like every genre within pop music seems to define itself with like three or four different words and then you mix and match however mm-hmm. you want to and then that that's um, I'm sure someone has made like a very cool website and then generated you can randomly get genres and oh yeah probably <laughs> that should be really cool and else uh, I'm gonna get a copyright on it yeah um, so we, we're reaching the end of this conversation and um, as you uh, probably know I always like to ask my guests mm-hmm. if there's something that you could recommend people check out uh, it could be um, Anything from music to you know books, movies, um, experiences. I don't know um, exhibitions. Something you've. Yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of already mentioned Christian Scott's new releases. I really like the Diaspora because it's the same as I, I was looking at my music. I want to combine two genres like European lyrical jazz and modern electronics, and it felt like such a contrast. It, that's kind of where the name originates from. Because mm-hmm. Terrani are screaming birds, which felt like a. Yeah. Thing that that shouldn't be existing, yeah. And he also did it with like hip hop and jazz, and it but it feels so right. So mm-hmm. I really love that record. And uh, but uh, what I would like to recommend as well uh, concerning bookings is this: uh, there's a guy from uh, the UK uh, called Matt Fripp. Oh yeah, and he has the website called JazzFuel.com, yeah. and it has some amazing articles and interviews, and it really helped me. Like uh, the past year, I've been reading up on uh, everything he's been posting and. Uh, and he's just getting more and more uh, content out there, and, and yeah, if you feel like you need some tips for booking, so don't uh, <laughs> don't call me, but just first <laughs> check yeah, out the yeah, website, yeah. and then uh, yeah, like it really like it keeps on helping me. Like like uh, I mean, I'll never be yeah, I'll never I'll never stop learning and and trying out new things. Yeah, I've been following him for a while. It's mm. it's uh, it's valuable information, and it's great that he's just. Like yeah. giving it, um, it's always Definitely. it's always nice to see people that are like handing over the keys to things that you know maybe it's not fully in their interest to hand over the keys to. Like in in his case, he's a promoter and a booker. Like it's very interesting to me that he obviously he doesn't have time to book everybody, so it's fine. But um, it's 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 great to see people sharing that knowledge. Rather, I feel like there has historically been a tendency to not want to share yeah. this kind of information like people being very protective of oh yeah well I've got my contacts and I'm not going to give you the phone number of this guy because yeah. etc it's it's always great um, well, actually we're also at the Conservative Maastricht we're working on uh, creating like a starting musicians encyclopedia okay and uh, well I mean I'm in charge of writing it so <laughs> but um, um, yeah I just published like the first 10 pages of it which is mainly focused on uh like uh, what to think of when you're doing a first photo shoot? Uh, why do you want to release an EP or an album? And, like all and social media. Like I've been uh, mainly using Jazzview as a as a source and mm-hmm. and the the Dutch musicanten and uh, so you know, yeah, 
you can also check that one out. It's just at the Conservative Maastricht website. It's just okay. uh, go to the booking agency. Yeah. And there's also, like Jazz Fuel, it's uh, like a whole list of just, <laughs> yeah, just information that, that you can definitely use as a musician when you're trying to get your band out there. Cool. Um, Robert, thanks so much for being on the show, talking to me today. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm sure we'll be having both you and uh, a bunch of people that you represent on um, in the future. Thanks. I hope so. <laughs> that was Robert von der Pat. I will be playing more music from his band Tyranny Flock in just a moment. If you would like to know more about Robert and his various activities, or if you'd like to support him by ordering one of his wooden USB cards that contains his EP, there will be links to his website in the show notes at sandandmoment.com. Robert also asked me to mention that they will be performing, his band is performing in Amsterdam at Cinetol on the 31st of May. Uh, that's 31st of May 2018 in Cinetol in Amsterdam for anybody who might be interested in seeing those guys play live. And I'm sure that there is um, any future dates are also available on his website if you'd like to take a look at that. I'd like to thank my fellow members of Catrio, Christian and Andris, for providing the intro and outro music that you're hearing behind me right now. As always, I appreciate your feedback. So please, uh, if you have any comments or questions or anything you would like to um, yeah, tell me about, you can do that on Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can also do it on Facebook via the Sound of the Moment page. And you can reach me directly at pat at soundofthemoment.com with any emails. Please add the show to your RSS readers or subscribe to it in iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever your preferred podcasting app may be. And while you are in that podcasting app, it would be very helpful to me if you would leave a favorable review or rating. Um, that really does help um, spread the show and hopefully helps other people find it. Or just let somebody know um, if you would like to um, tell a friend about this show if you think you know somebody who uh, might be interested in listening that is also very helpful we will close out this episode with another track from tyranny flocks ep um, this one is called dive in the deep thank you so much for listening i'll be back in two weeks with another episode of sound of the moment
Thank you.